Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 8 of Placing Faces, the show where we sit down with some of the most influential casting directors in all of Hollywood and across the entertainment spectrum. I'm your host, Charlie Chappell, and today we sit down with casting director, producer, and actor's biggest fan, Robert Ulrich. Robert is known in a way not many casting directors get to be, in front of the camera, thanks to his appearances on two seasons of The Glee Project. But his behind-the-camera work means that he's a name you've probably seen if you watch the credit scroll. He's cast shows like Glee, Battlestar Galactica, Supernatural, American Horror Story, The Exorcist, The Mentalist, and he's just made his first foray into producing with 2017's Billy Boy, which we got to talk to him about as well. We got a chance to chat with him at his office in the San Fernando Valley, where he has an obviously busy and yet still incredibly welcoming staff, and where he has a hopeful future casting director shadowing him to learn the process of day-to-day in the industry. There seems to be a kind of paternal nature to the way he approaches those he works with. A guiding but direct tone with his staff, kind deeds, taking care of those in need, all mirrored by a pride I saw on his face from recent forays working with his actual son, cinematographer and producer Cooper Ulrich. Robert's voice comes and goes, an unfortunate side effect of prolonged laryngitis that he is working on recovering from. That being said, he was extremely generous and a pleasure to talk to. So I hope that you learn as much as I did. We're going to just jump right into it. Uh, I want to talk to you first about something that isn't directly your casting, although you did cast it, uh, is your most recent movie that just came out, Oh, Billy Boy. Cool. Um, um, I gave it a watch. Oh, uh, you did? You watched it? I did. It? Uh, it was on Amazon. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I think oh. that it was a, a different kind of storytelling, a different way yeah. of telling a story. Um, I was surprised that Blake Jenner wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he did an incredible job he did. with the story. Um, M- M- Melissa Benoist mm-hmm. uh, was phenomenal. She yeah. always is. I yeah. really, really love her work. Um, but what was really interesting to me and this came from a conversation I had with Banks, uh, is that your son also produced on this. Yeah, he did. And you got to work with your boy. That was wonderful, yeah. How was that experience? Well, it was incredible. He not only produced it, um, he um, shot part of it. Okay. Um, Because he's a DP, right? He's a DP. I have chronic laryngitis, so I I actually am having a bad vocal day today. But um, yeah, my son, uh, Blake, his brother, my son... And Bradley Beaker, the director, the five of us produced it. Um, my son ended up doing the reshoots because the cinematographer Joaquin Cedillo was was unavailable for the day we did reshoots. We did reshoots um, over a year later, mm-hmm. almost almost two years later. Um, we screened the movie forever. We suddenly realized that one of the actors, Grant Harvey, who um, was a pivotal part of the movie, Mikey, yeah, he wasn't in the movie originally when it was in a linear version. He wasn't in the movie for 40 minutes, and mm. people missed him. So we made a big decision to go back and do a day of reshoots. My son shot that day, and I think some of his scenes are some of the most beautiful in the movie. He's extremely talented, DP, extremely talented, and heading to Ireland to shoot something right now. Um, but uh, And then about a year later, we decided to open the movie up, and my son did all the second unit stuff in the movie, too. So, yeah, the movie was awesome. Um, I was on, I cast Glee, and then I was on a show called The Glee Project for for Oxygen and Fox, and it was uh, a reality competition show in which people from all over the world competed over the two seasons. I saw 100,000 people. 
the first season, 12 people participated. The second season, there were 14 contenders. And Blake Jenner won that second season. Mm -hmm. We became friends. He came to me. People had come to me. He came to me about producing this movie. He'd originally written a comedy. He's an excellent writer. And my son was going to direct it at that point. And um, anyway, we, we couldn't. We couldn't bring the budget down in the comedy, and kind of out of frustration, Blake wrote, this is a much littler movie, Billy mm -hmm. Boy. For many, many years, people had asked me to produce, because as a cast director, sometimes people move into production, yeah, into producing. And I'd always been scared of it, and I'd also never really uh, found something that I wanted to do. And even though I would have done anything for Blake, um, I also was just immediately drawn to the project and the rawness of it mm -hmm. and the the authenticity. I just it, it seemed very real. So that's when I committed, and that was a huge commitment. And during the course of us doing Billy Boy, which took years, I became friends with Blake's brother, and we formed a production company, Stay Relevant Productions. Okay. And so Billy Boy was our first feature and since we have another feature that just sold it's gonna be on showtime called mail order monster completely billy boy is a dark movie for anybody out there that goes to watch yes. it the way that i was able to get involved in billy boy from a um i don't want to say moral standpoint but from a standpoint of of believing in it was that i always looked at it as a cautionary tale because it's very violent and as a parent i look at it as a movie all about young people making Choices now choices have consequences, mm -hmm. and about the disenfranchisement of family, and how you know, the youth needs direction, all that kind of thing. My next movie, Mail Order Monster, is a family movie, and then I'm a producer in another movie that's right now. We just entered into a couple of festivals called Foster Boy, so I'm doing that as well as casting. So is producing long-winded answers. Well, no, 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 not at all. Uh, and that's that's mm. the beauty of this mm. format is you know we're going to have a conversation for an hour. Yeah. Long-winded yeah. is perfect. Um, is producing something that you're looking to do more and more of? Because it seems like yeah, yes. you're um, good at it. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am good at it. Actually, I, I realized that I knew nothing when I when I started Billy Boy. I knew nothing, <laughs> and um, I mean, I knew the casting part of it, and I. But I learned, and luckily, in the time that I took to do it, I didn't make very many mistakes that were big mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I was fortunate that, but I do really love it. It has been exhausting. And like I said, Billy Boy just, we had our premiere a couple of weeks ago, which was amazing. And mm -hmm. all kinds of Glee cast members from Darren Chris to Cord to John Stamos. So many people uh -huh. came to support it. It was really a wonderful premiere. And now it's out. Then it was in the movies for, in theaters for a week. Now it's on VOD. For anybody out there, please check it out and, and, uh, and rent it or buy it. But, I highly um, recommend it. It was it was a really well told story, and I'm I'm super curious to actually read the original script. Oh, it's so different because because and I could tell because the editing yeah is nonlinear. Well, the what it, happened to, with to that a certain extent. Oh, very nonlinear. Yeah. Um, what happened is is the movie was submitted. You know, we had excellent representation as far as sales agents. And, and so we, we were submitted to all the best festivals. We had somebody at Annapurna Pictures that was very behind it. And so we had a lot of fans. And we were always told that the movie would get down to getting into a festival to the end. And then the reason that it didn't was always that. It's a, it's a story that we've seen a million times, but it's not told in an, any kind of an interesting fashion. Hmm. So very far along, We'd submitted to lots of festivals. We were in the Miami Film Festival, 
and Brad just decided to reimagine it. And he locked himself away. He's the editor he's as well. He's the director and the editor. Yeah. He's a genius. And he locked himself away. And he started from scratch. And in six weeks, 10 hours a day, he recut the movie. And now it is, it is really not in a linear fashion at all. Yeah. But it's, you know, it, it's, it's more now instead of a, instead of a, what it was, I was, was always kind of an elevated biopic. Now it's a movie about something. And it's about grief. And it's mm -hmm. about, you know, being inside a young boy's mind. And you can make it, you can actually interpret it many ways, which I like. Yes, yeah, so it, it would be interesting for you to read the because the, yeah. and as a result, he also cut twenty minutes out. We basically took the adults pretty much out of the movie who originally played a much larger role. The mother and well, the mother, stepfather the mother only had one scene taken away, and the stepfather one scene. But the teachers were were oh okay, Greg German and Jim Beaver, who yeah, are yeah. incredible Love actors. Jim Beaver, They're, oh I do too. He's one of my yeah, dearest yeah. friends, actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. one of my very very best friends. The movie just became more about living in Billy's mind. Than it sure. originally had and been, it, and I think it really captured. And that. I think With, it did. And, and the editing style even contributed to that quite a bit. And it is a polarizing movie. I mean, yeah. even originally, when it was a linear movie and originally with voiceover, it was a movie that I knew people would love or hate. But what I wanted it to always be was real, mm -hmm. because I thought the only way that, especially if young people see it, that they're going to realize that if you get beaten up, it hurts. If you're dealing with guns, they hurt. You yeah. know, it's yeah. so I wanted it to seem very real, and I think we succeeded at that. How, as a producer, did you ensure that it felt real? Felt real? Yeah. Well, I was always the one, and again, I'm not really, I'm not into <laughs> violent movies, but I was always wanted lots of blood, but everybody wanted it real. Everybody wanted it. I mean, I think partly was the casting, and, and I don't take full credit for that, because obviously Brad Beaker and Blake played a large role, mm -hmm. a huge role in the decision of the casting. But I think we had a very real cast, and then Brad's an again an incredible director and I just think that even when we were auditioning it we did uh, we really the auditions were awesome because in comparison to most television auditions you know we had we had mix and matches where for six hours one day you know four different boys would play four different roles and we awesome. put them together and one of the guys Brandon Jones who was up for Laurel and Mikey he was pounding a chair in my office, and when he came back to the final callbacks, he was in a cast. He'd broken his hand and never told anybody. So people took it very seriously. Grant yeah. Harvey nearly choked Blake to death in an audition. But um, people were just all in from the beginning. It was a passion project. Nobody was working for either no money or little money. It was just one of those things where there was, even though it was such dark material, it was a joyous process because mm -hmm. people were very... Um, committed and devoted and wanted to be there and felt grateful and loved each other. It was, it was, it was one of, by far, one of the best experiences of my life and right up there with Glee and the Glee Project for the best professional experience I've ever had in, in uh, the business. That's awesome. And, and I think it's the way you talk about it and, and the experiences that I've had making films and, and acting and in and, and, and all the different things that I've done, it's when everybody is so entrenched in it and Absolutely. really cares and when people go that extra bit that makes all of the other stuff worth it absolutely that's yeah. says it all yeah um so i actually now i want to step back a little bit yeah. um and go back to the beginning um the story of where you came from where do you come from and how um, did you get yeah. here i'll try to really make this <laughs> short i was uh, i wanted to always want to be an actor i went to call but i thought it was unrealistic so, so in a small I, town in Modesto, California. Modesto. Okay. Um, I 
always wanted to uh, to be in the business from the time I was a little kid. I was writing screenplays and shooting movies in high school, and and I I kind of look back on my situation without regret, but I I wish that I had focused on directing or editing two things that I loved instead of acting because I didn't really have what it was cut out to be an actor. Because what do you boy, mean? Well, I think you have to have much more. I mean, I'm not saying I had talent because I probably didn't have much of that either, but I, I certainly didn't have the confidence you know acting is so hard i have the utmost respect for actors because you are putting yourself on the line all the confidence i have in casting and producing i had none of it in acting hmm. but anyway so i went to college tried to change was going to be a pre-dental major ended up working on a movie a burt reynolds movie um cool <laughs> for it was supposed to be a couple days turned it to six weeks i missed my last six weeks of college you um, missed your last six weeks yeah, of i college graduated with a blank diploma and had to go to summer school and Anyway, eventually went back to school, but that did make me decide I wanted to be an actor, so cut through it all. I eventually went back to school, got my master's in English because I always wanted something to fall back on, but I had an emphasis on film and theater. I directed Cat on a Hot Tin Roof for my master's thesis and wrote a thesis on it, too. Mm -hmm. Moved to New York to be an actor. I had met my wife before I moved to New York, and we dated bicoastally. Anyway, I got married Tried to be an actor in New York. My wife became a successful actress. Started out as a model, became an actress. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I felt I was kind of living vicariously through her. I mean, I was doing everything for her, which was awesome. But I just was hitting an age where I didn't... I realized I wanted to be successful. And I realized that to be an actor, you have to want to do that more than anything in the world. Mm -hmm. So with my wife, thank God, advising me and helping me to make the break... I did, and I became a stage manager, which was the worst job in the world for me. But I have the utmost respect for stage managers because when all the act, when the thing's over and all the actors <laughs> are getting ready to go out and have fun and party, you're stuck cleaning up the theater. And did you have respect for the stage manager beforehand? No, I did. You know, I realized I was one of those actors that never did anything to help anybody or you know in mm. plays. But I certainly did once I became a stage manager. When you learned the, the things yeah. that they have to go Crazy. through. Crazy. And so my wife then was under contract to NBC. We moved to L.A. I uh, decided, I'm, just, I'm trying to make this not so not boring. <laughs> I decided to, um, I went out to dinner with her and her, um, or her and her manager and his wife, Pam Dixon. And Pam, I, Pam said there was a job opening as an associate. And I said to Kim that night, do you think I could go in? She goes, yeah, give it a shot. So Pam hired me and uh, within minutes knew that I was not qualified and said I could be an assistant if I wanted. She brought in a qualified associate. Anyway, I worked on that miniseries. Then I, for a minute, went and tried to be a publicist. And then Pam again hooked me up with somebody who worked for Ruben Cannon mm -hmm. and Associates. And uh, Ruben, I met him and he hired me and... Uh, that was where it all began. So I owe so much to Pam. She's been a wonderful supporter of mine. Helped my son get into his college when he went to Chapman. She's an amazing person. So the idea of having a, a mentor of sorts. Well, she was my mentor then, and then my mentor became Ruben. Okay. Ruben and his associate, Carol, yeah. Carol Dudley. I worked for them, and with Ruben... He either trusted you completely or you couldn't even answer the phone. <laughs> and he, for whatever reason, trusted me. And and Ruben was the first thing that I... He had just uh, done The Color Purple. And he was the he was kind of the 
premier African-American casting director in the business. Mm -hmm. Again, the most incredible man who um, I've remained very close to all these years. And, and Carol, too, remained close to also incredible. And we became, I worked for him. And one of my first job was doing the voice casting for Roger Rabbit. And I would show up at awesome. Amblin, and I knew nothing. <laughs> and I would, and somehow I did that. I don't know how I ever did that. And shortly after that, Eric Dawson, who had worked in a casting office in Nebraska, moved to be to work for Ruben as his assistant. Mm -hmm. And I was Ruben's associate, and Eric and I worked together, and um, became immediate best friends. And casting was so flipping hard that after not very long, Eric quit and wanted to, you know, was thinking of moving home and whatever. And when I got my first casting job, still as Ruben's associate, but that I would really be casting, it was a uh, situation in comedy called Family Man. I was just dying. And I called Eric and I said, I'll pay out of my pocket if you come back and work with me. He did, obviously. Because it was just too much work to do. It was you so much just, work. Yeah. He obviously became an associate there. and then And then during that time period, Carol Kritzer... Uh, interviewed for uh, my intern and I said unpaid intern position and I said I was just like I'm so busy and she got home that day and she called me back and she said Robert was I dressed appropriately and I said Carol you if you could breathe you have the job <laughs> so she got the um she checked out to see if I had a wedding ring on which I did and uh, she got the job and she was you know my intern our assistant our associate well she's our intern and assistant at Ruben Cannons mm -hmm. And then Eric and I broke off, and Eric and I brought Carol back as our assistant. We broke off amicably with Ruben, and Carol Kritzer came on as Eric and my assistant when we were first starting out as Ulrich Dawson Casting. Mm -hmm. And she then became our associate and our partner, so we eventually became Ulrich Dawson Kritzer partners. And again, a long story, but it was a lot to get there. So. Well, no, I mean, that's uh, that actually covers the next uh, point that I wanted to talk about was Ulrich Dawson Kritzer. Yeah, that's how we... So that's how we that's how we started. How you all came together. Are there any benefits working as a team, especially a team that's been together for so long that the, the individual casting directors don't get yeah. that you guys I think have? that there are, I mean, it's been incredible for us. We are very close friends. We've operated all this time. We had no contract. We finally signed something time? when we uni unionized, but that was, I mean, that's how much we trust each yeah. other. We've been in all of it's each other. It's a rare story here in Hollywood. Uh, weddings and births and you know, of our children and funerals. I mean, we're, you know, we're close, close friends. Yeah. And when Eric and I, when it was just Eric and I, he used to always say, you know, we never went to bed angry. It's like we were always able to work out whatever differences we had, you know, and, and have still continued to do that. Um, I do think that there are negatives, but they have never affected us. I do think that sometimes, especially in the beginning when sometimes three of us, usually two of us would go on an audition together or an interview together, mm -hmm. people were confused. And I think that that probably didn't help us at the beginning because, you know, because they're like, who are they going to get to do the job? You know, who's really going to sure. do the job? But where you really benefit is because there's three of us and now there's also Liz Dean and Sean Dawson, and Alex Newman and so many more associates in the office. There's not an actor that comes to town that one of us haven't met. Mm -hmm. And if we're having a difficulty with a role, we walk into the other office and say who... You know, so there's so much um, information coming into our office and so much knowledge built up between the three of us and now the many of us through the years that I think that what you get from us that you don't always get is a well-oiled machine. You know, we have our own offices. 
you know, often cast directors, and we used to do this, go from office to office, and there's always that time to set up and all that. And, and you come at us, and boom, you're off and running. Mm -hmm. So we'll jump into some of your projects now. Um, one of your early projects that I grew up loving was Matlock. Oh my God, that was one of our first, actually. Um, you grew up late. You seem like you I, are I, way too young to have ever watched Matlock. I'm, I'm 31, <laughs> but I turned 50 when I was like 18. Yeah, yeah oh, I get it. I, I grew get up it. in I, I grew up in a t small town called Berryville that everybody called Mayberryville. Oh, how funny! Um, because it's it, yeah. it feels like I grew up in the 50s. Oh. So I grew up watching Andy Griffith and yeah, yeah. things in black and white up until yeah. like the mid 90s. You know, we didn't get. 2000 we didn't get the 90s until 2004 that is hilarious. so it was a it was a uh, matlock i loved my grandfather loved yeah. matlock oh, loved sure. andy griffith and playing yeah. the guitar and the dobro and all those things um but you started off as an associate on season two of that mm -hmm. with carol dudley and reuben yeah and reuben then season four you came back as casting director uh eric dawson had joined up the season before that yeah um were there any hard-learned lessons from early on? Or were there any things that come well, out of that project? Well, I mean, project? we were so, you know, I started with, it was, Viacom did Matlock, which we did. They did Jake and the Fat Men, which yeah. we did. Um, Father Dowling, which, we, you know, we, we were really tied into Viacom. And we got the Viacom account from Ruben. That was one of the, okay. the shows we took with us and still paid him for the show, a percentage. Mm -hmm. um, Dean Hargrove, Joel Steiger, and, eventually, and Jerry Sanoff were people that really helped us in our early career. Um, we lucked out when we broke off, and it's kind of indirect, in the fact that I love Matlock. And, and those shows were so well done, so well yeah, acted. And Andy they Griffith still was, hold up. And they hold up. Andy Griffith was incredible. My wife did three Jake and the Fat Men's, two Matlocks. <laughs> um, but, um, but we also lucked out that when we first broke off from Ruben, there was a show called Erie, Indiana, mm -hmm. which um, was a very classy show. You know, Matlock was a well-established, but Erie was like this, and I, again, have the most respect for all the Viacom productions, but Erie was this kind of show that we as new casters wouldn't have normally gotten. But Laurie Openden, who was a big, who was the casting director, at head of casting at NBC, believed in us and gave us that job. And now she's at the CW. And again, we, we had a lot of people helping us. So that job coupled with the Viacom shows, they were our stability, but that show helped us get other shows that we might not have gotten as young casting directors that were considered cooler. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there was a lot of stuff we really messed up because we were so diligent and our life was, you know, was casting it, especially in the beginning, but that I don't think there's much we messed up. I think that what I can say is that we were we were just given so many opportunities by wonderful people and people liked us. And what do you think contributed to that? Because that is a factor here in this Well, industry. I think starting out, we were really young. Mm -hmm. er Eric was really young. He was, you know, in his early 20s. I mean, he was young. And and then I just think that we, you know, how do you answer a question like that? Why we were good guys and we worked really hard and we neither of us or Carol we've never taken for granted um, how well at least I've never taken for granted how lucky I've been. You know I just feel that that I've been lucky to get the shows I've gotten. I've been lucky to have people entrust me and then I've just worked hard and that's just 
I can say nobody works hard. And we've always been, my motto, and I'm sure this is theirs too, but I can say for me has always been that, well, it's our motto. We're never cast people say there's nobody else. We will always say, we will keep looking. Yeah. There's, we never say there's nobody else out there. Those words have never come out of, have never come out of my mouth. We strive to please and make the people we're working for happy and still keep the studio network happy. And that is a hard job. To me, being a casting director, one of the hardest jobs is putting out fires. You're continually putting up fires, working with different kinds of personalities, keeping egos in check, you know, all that. So a lot of juggling. A lot of juggling. And how much of that were you aware of early? Or how much oh, did, you, did you learn that quickly, though? <laughs> I learned quickly, but I didn't know anything about casting. You Not know, at all. I didn't know anything. I, I barely knew what a casting director was. I mean, I'd been an actor, but to show how oblivious I was, the same way I was oblivious to stage managers, I never really gave thought to what a casting director had to do, nor do I think a lot of people. Most people don't. Most people don't realize, mm -hmm. first of all, how difficult a job it is as far as, you know, you have to have this knowledge of the business, the contracts, that you have to have a certain amount of business knowledge. And that has never been my forte. That is my business partner, Eric's forte. Um, or it's never been my favorite part of the business. My favorite part has been dealing with the actors and and that part of it more than the negotiation. Like, I don't care anything about that. Mm -hmm. um, but that also made us a good team, you know? Sure, where where deficit on one yeah. is, yeah. is held up by the other. Uh, and that's, um, that's, we see that uh, with other casting directors that we've talked to that have worked with partners or do work with partners. It That generally seems to be the yeah. way that it goes is yeah. one is really strong with the business side and the other is yeah. really strong with the actors. And that's that. not, I mean, I, I cannot, I mean, Eric and Carol are, the three of us are equally, um, first of all, love actors. We're all married to one, uh -huh. you know, we're all married to actors. I mean, Eric's wife is a director, but she was an actress for many, many years. And Carol's husband's a, a very talented actor and my wife's a very talented actress, but yeah, they, they also are, Eric and Carol are very, um, you know, when Eric started, because he had been a, I think he was a dental major too, he would come to work and he would like cut out articles from the TV guide and put them in. Somebody didn't know he would look up. I mean, he approached it. He approached casting like he was approaching med school. Hmm. Because neither Carol, the difference is, I did have the advantage of, I'd been an actor and grown up, everything about entertainment interested me. She was a psychology major, he was a pre-dental major. And so for me, there was a knowledge of actors that they learned that I just knew because okay. I had read books about acting from the time I was a kid and then had become an actor mm -hmm. so and you, a director. You knew the struggles that actors were having to go through. They had to learn those yes. aspects of it. Yes. Yeah. And Carol went and like um, audited acting classes to be, you know, we all took everybody, the three of us took it very seriously is the point. Well, for as far as uh, recommendations for things that people who are looking to be casting directors are are doing, um, what sort of things do you recommend that somebody who is wanting to get into casting should be looking That's at doing? That's a hard question because you're dealing with a business where everything is opinion, every, you know, everything's subjective, and I always say that you know the the person teaching school. Their opinion is, a valid, is as valid as the head of the network. It's just the head of the network's opinion is the one that might make the decision and what's some. But I mean, it's a business based on opinion. There's no right or wrong. It's not like somebody running a race and the person, the fastest person wins. You know, I always say you could get 10 
professionals in the room and they could probably tear apart a Meryl Streep performance, not me, but because I think she, <laughs> but I mean, you know, the, there's just, it's all opinion on what people think is good and, and not good. However, it's also interesting that you can bring in hundreds of people and generally people will narrow it down to about the same six people. Okay. That, that is interesting that there may be polarized, there may be a couple of those six are polarizing, but people do kind of gravitate toward the same, which I always find fascinating. But I would just tell somebody starting out, I guess, to learn about the business. If, if you are going to be, you know, I wasn't around during the silent movies, but I was just in movies. So I read about silent movies. I think you should read as much as you can about film, about directors, about actors. I think you should watch as, if you're, especially if you're going to be a television cast director, you should watch as much television as possible. You should watch as many movies as broad as, a, a spectrum as possible. As broad a spectrum, yeah. and 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 with movies, I think you should watch the best movies, what are considered the best movies, to the worst movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there, you know, you, you should learn about the business you are going to enter into, and then you know you should probably in this day and age have good uh, computer skills and all those things, um, which I wouldn't survive if it wasn't for my <laughs> staff, but. Um, you know, I do think that, you know, a general knowledge of business does help because, you know, it's funny where people negotiating contracts and everything without being lawyers. I mean, obviously when it gets to a certain point, it's all done with business affairs and attorneys, but there's a little bit more, as I mentioned earlier, business involved in it than just the fun part. Mm -hmm. So, so the next, uh, project that I want to talk about Mm -hmm. uh, is one that's currently running, uh, American Horror Story. American Horror Story is Eric's show, Eric Dawson, my partners. Okay. And the way that we work is, again, we're all, we're all involved in, in, um, how do you say it? You know, if somebody comes with an idea or whatever, we weigh in. But that is Eric's show. He should, Okay. Eric started with Ryan Murphy. Yeah. He did um, Popular and Nip Tuck. Mm Mm-hmm. I did one popular. <laughs> I, Eric was out of town. I did the one that, that Bryce Johnson was cast on, so I'm very proud of that, and Bryce has remained a friend. But, but that, you know, that, is, that was Eric's contact 100%. I did not, I mean, I barely knew Ryan. I went to one Nip Tech session. session. Okay. Um, when Glee came along, Eric was going to do Glee mm-hmm. and asked me, because I come from a musical background, if I was interested in doing it with him. And then after a few weeks, Eric realized it wasn't his or, you know, month or whatever, realized it wasn't his thing. Yeah. Um, but but he has the Ryan Murphy connection. Now, during Glee, I became very close to Ryan, and, and I absolutely feel that I really... I had done, you know, Battlestar Galactica, which I'm extremely proud of with Eric, because we shared. I'd done Dark Angel with James Cameron not that long after Titanic, and I remember reading in the trades because I love Titanic, and I remember reading, oh, I wish I could get this project, and two seconds later the phone rang, and Charles Egley, somebody that I had worked with, set up a meeting, and I got that. So I had done things I was extremely proud of, you know, in my career, but Glee definitely changed my life, and and that is 100% I owe to Ryan. And, and working with Ryan, which was just wonderful, because what Ryan... The way Ryan works, it's kind of like Ruben. If he trusts you, he trusts you. And with Glee, I felt so in sync with how he, I knew what he wanted. And so it made the casting so easy and so fun because I knew in 99% of the cases 
who Ryan would choose. I'd, I'd position him first, but that isn't why he chose him. He chose him because I knew that, you know, because I knew what he wanted. And what the great thing about Ryan um, as a producer and a talent, and obviously he's genius, is that Ryan, there was never anybody that was too outside the, I mean, it was too outside the box. I mean, Ryan, anything would go, you know, I mean, he was open to anything. And even though it was always very clear in what he wanted, you know, if he wanted an apple, I would give him five apples. But then if I gave him an orange, he would be open to that, you know. And how often do you get that? Never. And and never somebody like I think Ryan was so now the world, thank goodness, is so much more uh, into um, being aware of how important diversity is yeah. in casting. Ryan always was. And and just in the disabled community alone, you know, the, the, the amount of disabled people that Ryan cast on Glee alone sure. was remarkable. And, and he would never write down to them. I mean, it was always the character of Becky Jackson was a Down syndrome girl. And, and she, you know, she was sweet and she was mean and she was funny and she was nasty and she, she was she, she a was three-dimensional character a real person yeah you know and that was you know so i think pretty much unheard of to that point i i'm one of those people that i'm so proud of glee and i think that that glee really helped change the world i really do i know that sounds corny but in what sense well i just think it made people more aware that it's okay to be different like glee was all about being different and I think that, um, and not being ashamed of being different, but but being uh, but making celebrating, that, yeah, being different, yeah. And, and when I was even, I was eventually in a show called The Glee Project, which was again the biggest gift Ryan could have given to me. It was so wonderful. And um, even before that, though, when I was first casting Glee, um, because The Glee Project gave me obviously more visibility because I was on television. Even before that, I would get emails from young kids who were contemplating suicide. And I mean, it was, it was a very, and I would address it and turn them over to people in the Trevor Project. I didn't, you know, but I mean, it was, um, it made people feel it was okay to reach out and to, I know, I, just, I think it's, it was, it was really a wonderful, wonderful show. No, that's not, I mean, are there any particular instances, and I don't mean yeah. to like put you on the spot about that, but any particular instances that stood out to you about the, the the Glee Project and and all of these peoples whose lives you really did touch. Well, it just made me again feel extremely grateful. You know, the the Glee Project was great because it was really, other than I was dealing with this mass volume, um, exactly like I did Glee. You know, I mean, it was interesting. It, it was, just had a bunch it, of cameras. It just and had a bunch of cameras and a stage and. and and then as far as casting the people in the, uh, were contenders in the project. Mm -hmm. And then when I was on the show with, with Nikki Anders and Zach Woodley, um, who are again, both just incredible. And, um, I was able to see what they would do on a daily basis with the actual scripted show of Glee. And, but I always said with the Glee project is that, you know, my wife, I used to come home out on the elimination days and I'd be so sad. And she said, Robert, it is a competition show. Somebody has to go home. <laughs> I'd be devastated. And Does that I, happen with casting as no, well? No, that's what I was going to say. What I realized is on the Glee Project, on in general casting, 
I can probably count on two hands when I've been able to see somebody lose a job or see somebody get a job, you know, to really share in the the sadness and the joy. Mm -hmm. And in the Glee Project, I was, you know, five feet from them and they're crying faces. And it was just, you know, the first season I would have to go in as soon as they were eliminated and comfort them. They never aired any of that. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is killing me. But, but it was also the wonderful part because it was, it was suddenly a process that um, I'd been involved in for years and I saw the intimacy of it. I was intimate with it. So that know? changed. It, well, it just changed made it even more. Way? It made me even more, um, you know, even love actors even more and more sympathetic to how hard it is. Yeah. And obviously on the Glee Project, they were, you know, pouring their, they were locked away in captivity, like, you know, and, <laughs> and didn't have a phone and were, you know, it was very torturous. And, but they were also, you know, they were really working hard, you know, week to week. So yeah, um, I mean, I want to. I do want to talk a little bit about the idea of competition casting, and were there folks that didn't end up winning that you're like, I'm going to keep that. I've, I've got that guy's number. We're, oh, we're calling all of them. All of them. I mean, I really remained. Um, I mean, my you know, I have my life is pretty crazy. I mean, my my fam my home is open. My family, my parents were the same way. You know, my home was the home that kids were at or lived at for weeks at a time. Um, my wife and I have, <clears throat> we have two kids who are, like I said, Cooper, who's I'm so proud of right now. In fact, I've, to change something for a sec, I was, the, I was the Soho House. I'd never been to their screen at the Soho House um, in my life. Mm -hmm. And last month I was there three times in a week and a half. Twice, once my son shot something which was incredible that was there in the screening room. That same week, Blake is in American Animals, which is, he's genius. He's it so looks, good. And I know he's so genius yeah. too much, and that's bad to <laughs> overuse that word, but he's really great in the in, in American Animals. I was, And then the next week we had our Billy Boy screening there, so it was so fun. But that was Cooper. I was so proud of him that he did something there. And then my daughter, Tierney, is going to college in a couple, in a, a month, and that's devastating. But like I was raised, my home was open, so... Hannah from the Glee Project lived in our house for a while, I believe. Alex Newell from the Glee Project lived in our guest house for a while. Um, Blake lived with us a couple times, a few times, or stayed with us several times. I have remained very good friends with them all. Abraham, I mean, Blake is like a son. Abraham Lim is so close and, you know, after the Glee Project, worked here basically for free for Worked months. in the office? In the here? office, yeah. yeah. So everyone, you know, I'm... I'm very close to Abraham. I mean, all of them. I'm, now I'm, I'm sure I'm going to leave somebody out that I'm so so close to. And I'm so proud of Alex Newell, who's on Broadway now in Once in the Silent. And I'm so proud of Ali, Ali Stroker, who was, I do think, part of her becoming well-known was the Glee Project. And she was the first person ever in a wheelchair on Broadway, which really? is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, That's amazing. But I'm, I'm now looking because I'm sure I'm living. I'm close to Eileen. I'm close to Samuel, Damien. Damien just got engaged. And my wife and I are going to dinner with him this week. Samuel wrote me this week. Lily just booked a big show. And I'm very proud of her. I mean, the, you know, they're all. I mean, Lindsay was from Modesto and, and was just an extraordinary talent. My wife and I had judged her in a project called um, Valley's Got Talent in Modesto. <laughs> Bryce, I'd known since he was a young kid because he was... My wife was on a show with his mom. Anyway, so I was close. So to have him. you been, 
with with this show in particular, have you been closer with this cast and these people from Glee Project and Glee oh, than, than any other project? Oh, of project? course, because none of the other, you know, the other people go off and do their shows, you never see them. Yeah, no, sure. oh, for sure. I mean, I'm not really close to any of the... What do you think contributes to that? Well, the casting, I mean, I think that's always the case with casting, but in particular when casting isn't on the same lot. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, so, yeah. I mean... I was close-ish to people on Glee just because, I mean, Darren Chris being one who I just love, um, he came to the Billy Boy premiere. and But I was, you know, there were people on Glee definitely from Cord and Corey and many, you know, that, that, that I have had, you know, friendships with. But that was really the first. And I think that's only because there were so many Glee parties and you know normally people go off and do a show and you never see them again Mm -hmm. so glee was unusual that there were more people that i at least saw on a social level and also because glee was up for so much i'd see them at the sag awards i'd see them at the golden globe thing you know so um, partially because of the success the success of it and the intimacy and it was in los angeles and all that yeah um but the glee project was different i saw the the glee project shot five days a week which is unusual a lot of reality shows only shoot two days a week but because of the you know, when somebody would get in the bottom three, then they would have to orchestrate music yeah. in their key and all that. Shoot the music video, get the music video edited. So it was five days. I worked four of those five days, so I was around these kids, you know, most of that 11-week process. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, it was unusual proximity yeah. and all yes. those things kind of... Kind and of then when the Glee up. Project started airing the second season, my wife and I would have parties and have all of them that lived in L.A. over to watch it. Okay. And so, and plus... 50 other people so that was fun (laughs) it seems like a a really interesting project to have been part of and just the whole glee phenomenon that happened it was incredible and the glee project you know was really a success it's just unfortunately it was around the time that well when Corey monteith passed away and that was kind of, well, that was the end of the Glee Project, and that yeah. was basically the final season of Glee, yeah. yeah. That was just one of the saddest things ever, and I don't I want to talk about it, but that's, the Glee Project was an uh, amazing thing. Yeah. Well, another project I want to talk about, uh, and, and correct me if this is one of your partner's uh, lead on the project, but Supernatural. No, that's mine. That's yours. That's my show. Yeah. So that show's been going for uh, 13, 14 seasons, 13 years yeah. now, yeah. forever. Yeah. It has got a rabid fan following. It does. It does. Um, I'm very proud of it, too. It's very a really proud. fun show. I I started watching it a couple years yeah. back. Maria actually introduced me to it. Oh, yeah. It's great. My and son's it's a blast. obsessed with it. Yeah. It's a I'm lot off. of fun, and and they're nearing their end. Well, who knows? Sure, yeah. Well, it's a huge they, success. They had said at one point a couple years back that they were going to be like next season is going to be the last yeah, season, but and they who, keep we'll doing see. that. And I, we'll I don't. See. I think they're going to keep going. I hope yeah. they do. Yeah. They had the Scooby Doo episode this season, yeah. which I love. Um, can you take me through the process of casting an episode of Supernatural? Okay, yes. Supernatural, unlike Glee, is a show that shoots out of town. Yeah, so it's very different. I mean. Well, the Glee was very different, too, because in Glee, I had no, you know, uh, I was never in a room with a director. Um, I do want to give a shout out to, I said, Brad Beaker, who did such an incredible job on Billy Boy, but he also was a director on Glee, and he is an American whore, and the way we became friends was every time there was this amazing episode of Glee, the first time I wrote him was when Darren Chris's first episode aired. Did he direct Uh, that episode? He directed it. And then the next episode I thought was incredible. I mean, I thought... 
I loved Glee. I thought they were all incredible. But the next one, and it turned out that he had directed. But you took recognition of, of the direction. And that same thing happened on, yeah. the, on American Horror, um, which led to us offering, and plus he was close to Blake, mm-hmm. us offering him Billy Boy. Um, but Glee was unusual in the fact that in those days you would usually have, now you never do, you usually have a director in the room. Because Ryan was so involved, it was just me putting people on tape, saying it to Ryan, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> you know, um, people could kind of weigh in, but Ryan really was the voice. Um, Supernatural, because it's an out-of-town show, I never have a director in the room, unless the director happens to be one of the executive producers. Um, I got the show initially, Eric Kripke, yeah. who I'm now doing The Boys with, which is which the I show to really get into. look out. Oh my gosh, it's incredible it, I, I'm trying to think of other words other than incredible amazing <laughs> genius I sound like Donald Trump but um, I'm trying to think of other words I'm compensating for my voice because my flippant voice so my brain isn't working um, but Eric Kripke has been a, a loyal supporter of mine for years and he started and then Robert Singer who I knew eventually got involved and, and uh, now Andrew Dabb we have a lot of people that I've, I've known and are friends with um supernatural works that we do unlike a lot of shows which we just do from our office we actually go to the offices of supernatural okay and we do the auditions live then we send off the tapes mm-hmm. um we we work with incredible casting directors in uh incredible again we work with super talented casting directors in um canada and they do such a bulk of the show obviously such a large part of the show um but it's a pretty simple process, you know. I mean, for for instance, my wife was on that show too. <laughs> three, <laughs> three episodes of Supernatural. <laughs> she played Jim's love interest, Jim Beaver. Oh, right on. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I guess w- with each episode, more or less, and you know, we don't have to get super into the weeds on this, but how many guest stars are you looking for? Well, it, how, you know, what, it depends. Yeah, um, it absolutely depends. Through the years, we have done a lot of recurring yes. guest stars. Yeah, yeah. So many so that as it's gone along, there aren't as many new people. Although last season, there were a lot of new mm-hmm. characters. Um, we might look for two to three to four, very rarely five um, episode, characters for an episode, two to three to four usually. And uh, they all may come from here and none may come from here because then they always take financial into consideration mm-hmm. and who's in Canada and Canada has a lot of talent and it, it varies who comes from here, you know, in all honesty. And, and to yeah. be, I want to give, I didn't do the pilot of Supernatural. I sure. did every episode starting with the first episode. Um, Patrick Rush did the pilot. He went off to do an executive job somewhere. I took over the show. So when you take it over episode. for something like that, what sort of things are you... Because you're handed, all right, these are the stars of the show. Yeah. What do you first do to square people around that cast who, who already exists? Well, I mean, initially, it kind of just becomes what it becomes. Initially, in that case, the first episode was just a uh, was just several guest stars. So I um, <clears throat> in Supernatural, in the first episode, I happened to cast Alden Ehrenreich, who now has had such success... Most he's recently. doing all right. He's doing pretty good. <laughs> I I really not fought for him, but I knew that he would. The concern was because he'd never done anything, as I remember, would he be able to hit marks and everything? I'm like, yes. Um, 
in my old age, I've cast a lot of people on their first jobs or their early on jobs. But um, so it, it was just casting people that weren't in the fabric of the story of the show. And that just kind of, and also the show changed a lot. The first year it was, it was, it basically concentrated on urban legend. Yeah, it was Monster of the Week. It, it was, was yeah. you know, we're going to deal with so the it, just, and It's, you know, they've done such a um, good job of, of being able to keep the show alive, interesting, different, all these many years. You know, so much of the success of the show are Jared and Jensen. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it's funny because, again, I didn't do the pilot. I had had Jensen in Dark Angel. He did the second yeah. season of Dark Angel. And he had tested for an, another uh, pilot that I'd done that I was very proud of and that Robert Singer had directed, who was on Supernatural. So he Jensen a little. Um, Jared, other than maybe meeting once or twice, if the, I don't even know, but, but we've kind of become not friends, but I feel very comfortable with them, both of them. And they're, they're such good guys. And when I did, when I was raising money for Billy Boy, we did a concert in my hometown, Modesto, at the Gallo Arts Center. And... We had past winners of Valley's Got Talent, the thing that Lindsay Pierce had won, and people from Glee and the Glee Project performing. That was one of our fundraisers. We also did a Kickstarter, but that was one of our fundraisers. And I did a celebrity tape of my friends, and Jared and Jensen were so kind to do a very funny bit in this, uh, in this, this little video that we did. Mm-hmm. Well, with, with shows like Supernatural, and I know you guys do uh, have done CSI for a really long time. My business partner, Carol, did that. I did one episode of you that. Did. <laughs> Well, what's interesting to me is like some of these shows, Supernatural, CSI being another one, Glee being another, mm-hmm. uh, long-running shows that have, uh, because they're procedural in nature, yes. you have a new group of guest stars that come through yes. very often. So you guys see, oh. uh, if, if they're acting in this town, you guys have probably seen them. That I do think that there are those people that come in that you know are going to be stars I mean, you do and and um and is that just a gut feeling what it's is a it gut, gut feeling because yeah. again it's all opinion yeah um one of my early on i cast jack black i knew he was yeah you did in airborne in airborne i yes. love that movie i used to bring, oh, I love God, that movie. I used love to bring that him out all the time yeah i did I mean, seth too. green seth green seth that, i mean i knew both and seth and i also did a show called the birds of paradise um which was awesome. I went to Hawaii for three and, and a half Atlanta weeks. Uba. Is that how you heard yeah, Al- your name? Yeah, Alana Ubek. Alana Ubek. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I gave, I think I gave, you know, it's, it's funny, I think I gave Ryan Felipe his, either his SAG card or one of his first jobs. <laughs> and now, now we're doing Shooter with him this many years later. Um, Jessica Alba cast as a little girl, and then again on Dark yeah. Angel when she was so young. That, and that was her first, like, what was her major first big lead? Thing? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, Jessica, I knew, you know, not only was she beautiful, but there was something very special, you know, about her. Um, on a different, you know, Brian Cranston, Eric Caroline used to talk about because he did, he did many shows. He played opposite my wife, Matt Locke. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he had been around forever. He'd been around forever. And, and a guest star on pretty much every show that existed. And there was, he was one of those actors that, and he wasn't a kid that you go, oh, that kid is going to be. But he was one of those actors that you knew was so extraordinarily talented and versatile that if you brought him in, you know he could do anything. And there are those actors that I bet five or ten that Caroline could agree on through the years that may not have become stars like Brian, but that, that, are that have that versatility that you can count on. 
But Brian, when Brian began to hit his success, it was no major surprise because he was so flipping good, mm -hmm. you know, and, and wonderful. And again, just an incredible person. I asked him for, I asked him to go to a soldier care event that I, that I'm involved in and my son and I are involved and, and he said, Robert, I can't go, but they can all come by and watch me shoot my, my movie that he was doing at the time. And he spent so much time with them. I mean, he's that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. He is, he has not changed one bit. Um, but there's been those people that I also know would make it like Jeremy Renner's from my hometown. I knew him when he was super young, I knew he would, you know, become something. Yeah. I knew Chris Colfer was extraordinarily special. Um, Blake, for sure, I think is not only so talented, but it's the versatility with the singing and the writing and the and all that he can that he can do would be one of those people in that category. Um, but there's some, there's a young actor, Graham Rogers. There's Grant Harvey, who's in Billy Boy, who is just now. I can't even say what he just got, but I think that he is is one of the best actors out there as well. Um, there's a lot. Yeah. Well, we're dangerously near an hour, and oh I don't want to take up too much Love more you. of your time. I know you said you've got a project right now called The Boys. Oh. Um, yeah. That. Uh, is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who yes. I love. Dan amazing. Trachtenberg, amazing director uh, and a wonderful human being. Mm -hmm. um, created by Eric uh, Kripke, Eric Kripke uh, Evan Goldberg, and Seth Rogen. And Seth yes. are a part and, of it. Mm -hmm. It's uh, based off of a comic book. Yes. It's really exciting it's to be a part of. Yeah. The most exciting. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been, I haven't been this, this excited about a project. Um, other than projects I produce since Glee. No, what is it that's so exciting about it? Well, it's, it's first of all, so well-written. Mm -hmm. um, I love working with Eric Kripke. I, I feel blessed to have gotten the job, um, and that is the truth. Um, you know, when you work with... At this point in my career, it's really about who you work with, mm -hmm. because... Life is so short. Let me knock on wood. I don't know what around, but I should. I better not. But it is so short. And um, you want the experience to be the people you 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 know you believe in and you love and you and you uh, feel comfortable with. And I do with Eric Kripke. And then to get on top of it, the opportunity to work on something that is so high quality. It is as much as I love movies and love what I don't really like reading, reading scripts. I find it, and like I said, I, was, I got my master's in English, I read a lot of books, I just don't, uh -huh. it's not my favorite thing. I cannot put, the, the boys is a page turner. I'm just, I think it's so well written. The characters Great. are so fun. When a I, script is like that. You, I think yeah. people are going to really like it. And, awesome. And I'm very proud of the cast, and the cast is, is a very cool cast. You know, it's, um, and I hadn't worked at Amazon before. And so this is an Amazon project. It's a Sony Amazon project. Very and cool. All the people I'm working with at, in, at both places are just, you know, tremendous. And and again, that's true. Like if you work with studio people, Sharon Klein at 20th is one of my closest friends, so it makes working there fun. If I work with Grace Wood, NBC or IO, you know, at ABC, it's fun. And mm -hmm. at this point, I want it to be fun. <laughs> you might as well make it fun yeah. at this point. 
Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about? No, I think I've talked entirely too much. Well, um, so I think I just, you know, I, I, I guess the part of advice for actors would just be that I know how hard it is. We ask you, especially in television, to come into a room, to wait in a room with 20 people and come in a room and you know that people want you just to do it and get out. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, we're asking you to open your souls and, and to be so vulnerable and, and, I think it's just that the thing you hear over and over and over that everyone wants you to be good because even from a selfish standpoint, it just makes our job easier. We want people to succeed. We want, you know, we want them to be good. And, and it has been our goal as an office, Eric, Carol, myself, to, to absolutely make our casting office as friendly to actors as possible. And I think we've succeeded. And where you said, one thing I do want to say, you said that, you know, we do a lot of in-town shows. We're going to be doing The Rookie and we did CSI. We did these in-town shows that have high volume casting where you're seeing, you know, thousands of actors. And we feel that we're so open and see so many people. And yet, I know, because I have friends who are actors, there are people that still feel they can't get in here. And that must be very frustrating. And I don't really know how to solve that because the issue is there's just so many actors. There's just so many actors. But I know that all three of us make it a point of seeing new people, Mm -hmm. welcoming people, and then treating them as kindly as possible during the process. So for an actor, back to my long-winded answer, is that I think that it's all about you just trying to believe in yourself and be as prepared as possible, but then also don't beat yourself up after the audition. You know, when you're gone, try to, as much as possible, release it and know that you did the best you could do. I think that's great advice. Release it and know you did the best you can. That is great advice. Thank you so much, Robert. I look forward to the next chat. Do not forget to like, comment, subscribe, love, heart, thumbs up, and share the show. Tune in next week when we chat with Jessica Sherman, casting director on shows like The Strain and Bates Motel and the movie Slight. And I'm still very confused and unsure of what they're talking about. And lo and behold, 15 minutes later, Steven Spielberg comes walking into the room. And I was then I learned what I was working on, that it was Super 8 and that he was producing and J.J. was directing. And it was, yeah. And that was a crazy experience because typically you cast a movie in 12 weeks. We were on that movie for nine months, just casting the kids. Placing Faces is powered by Collaborator.com, a media production service connecting media professionals to companies, brands, and agencies, allowing you to scale your production based on your needs. Video professionals find work, and companies save money. We'd also like to thank you guys over at Casting Society of America for helping introduce us to so many of these wonderful guests. They also serve as a hub of information about this branch of the film industries. So if you want to learn more about the society and what it takes to get into casting, you can visit castingsociety.com. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week and be well.